Hey, thanks for joining us for the Life Church podcast. We hope you are encouraged, challenged, and most of all, we hope it brings you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Being here, turn around, say hello to someone before you sit down. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Thank you, worship team. You guys are awesome. We're going to get our ushers ready to take up offering this morning as we um, transition today. And uh, I'm going to pray with that real quick as you guys kind of settle in. Father, we just come to you once more. We just thank you, Lord, for the, the seeds that are being planted today, God, that they don't just expand your kingdom here, God, but as we reach out to our neighbors across the river in Louisiana, God, to help them in their time of need, Lord God, I pray that every single penny, every can of food, every uh, hour that is donated and, and given, God, to your kingdom, God, that it flourishes, it helps bring change to people's hearts, Lord God, and that your spirit is glorified. Uh, and all that we do, Lord. And I just thank you so much for all you give us, and I thank you for this offering being received today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, the buckets are coming around, so freely give this morning. We're going to raise the house lights up just a little bit for you guys so you can see what's going on. Uh, welcome this morning. If you're watching online and you're still at home and quarantining and all that stuff, we totally understand. We thank you for watching and tuning in. It's first time, my name is Matt. I'm the pastor here. Uh, most days, I'm the pastor here. It's Sunday, so... Uh, no, glad to be here, glad to be in the house. Uh, just another announcement about that food in the, in the lobby. Please feel free to take what you need for your family, especially if you uh, lost a bunch in the hurricane. Uh, and what is not taken up today will be given to people who are in need um, in Louisiana. So uh, don't feel bashful about getting some things, please. Uh, you know, I know a lot of us had lost things in our pantries because of lack of power or our refrigerators and things of that nature. So please feel free to to restock what you need um, and leave what you don't. Um, and I, I want to say thank you, too, to all the people who were helping this last week. Cook and feed, uh, you guys are awesome. Uh, I, I'm not a cook, but uh, those the last day we were here giving food out, I, we did over like 400 meals, I believe. Um, the first day, I think we did like 250 meals is all we had, and it was gone in 20 minutes. I mean, it was just an incredible... Um, outpouring support for our community, and they responded as well. So thank you guys, all of you who were involved in that in some form or fashion, setting up, boxing up food, handing out, standing out in the heat, giving uh, you know blessings to people. Thank you so much. It was, it was well received. And uh, we had a church partner with us from Silsby, uh, Keith Pennington and his church at First Assembly of God in Silsby. And then also uh, Brother Nathan from, I think, Saratoga came and brought a whole setup here. It was incredible. Fed 400 people. And uh, they're going to Louisiana to, to, to feed as well in Vinton. If you haven't been that way, it's pretty bad, y'all. And uh, I know we know what that's like from Rita. We experienced that. So as you think about the blessings that you have with your home, even if you had some damage, just know there's people across the river that have, have quite a bit more. And uh, so I want you guys to continue to pray for them because they've got a long road ahead of them for recovery and rebuild. And if you've ever been through that, if you've been through Harvey, Rita, you know that part is not fun uh, at all. So with that being said, if you have your Bibles, you can open them up. Can I get a little bit more stage light up here just because I forgot my glasses and I'm blind. So, Amen. Thank you. appreciate that. All right. Like we're at the Apollo here. Okay, so uh, Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to be at. A few weeks ago... We were, uh, before the, the storm hit, we were talking about resetting ourselves within the church, resetting the rhythms of our life, 
And as we uh, move and operate with God's Spirit, today we're going to wrap that conversation up by talking about resetting the community. Resetting the community. We are a community of believers, and what we do does not just happen in these walls, right? It shouldn't just happen within these walls. Some of you are like, I don't understand what you're talking about. I come to church on Sundays. What else? I mean, what? What are you talking about? Kelly, I know. I'm going to explain it to you here in just a second. Um, One of the things that I've learned about 2020 is that we were not created to do life alone. Between the pandemic, a hurricane, potential more hurricanes, whatever it is, look, we are not created to do life alone, all right? Uh, Some of y'all went stir crazy after day three of of quarantine, okay? And we've been doing this since, what, March? Uh, Having to be careful about our our social interactions. Uh, But we're not created to do life alone. I mean, it's it's a common phrase we use in the church because it's true. We believe it. The the Word of God tells us this. Um, And the one thing that we have to understand is that we're all on this journey with God. And some of our journeys are all going to be different. And they're going to be personal, but they were never meant to be private. Our faith walk was never meant to be private. It is very personal, but not private. Because why? Because Jesus created this thing called the church where we come together. And just like what happened just now with Luke, sometimes it's, it's just in the form of encouragement or a prophetic word over their life that, that helps strengthen us and encourages us and tells us to keep going, keep moving, keep, keep our eyes on Jesus. It's important. We have each other. We believe at Life Church that healthy, life-giving relationships are where uh, we can grow the most, where our faith can be worked out. We believe that with all of our hearts, and, and we form these little small groups of communities where we live and, and do all that in. We call them life groups. Other churches call them small groups. It's just people coming together, enough people that can fit in your living room to do life together and to grow together, to say, hey, I'm struggling Here's what's going on in my business or my marriage or with my kids or, or with a friend or whatever it is. And you have a safe place to go and talk those things out, to receive encouragement, to be pushed maybe, which most of us probably don't like that. We call it accountability, but a lot of us don't like that very much. But we need it. We need people to say, hey, you've gotten your eyes off track. You're missing the target right now. Let's get back to where you're supposed to be. And we have to have that in our life. So... Um, We're talking through Acts chapter 2 today about resetting that community, those communities that we live and operate in within the church that make up the church, these small communities of people. They're not cliques. They're not special clubs. They're literally just small pockets of people that make up the whole church, that we sharpen each other, we grow with each other, we help encourage and love each other. That's what we're talking about, resetting that. If anything, 2020 has taught us how to do that differently because when you can't see someone face-to-face, you have to figure out a way to be connected and stay connected. And if you don't, you disconnect. There's no like middle ground there. You either are connected or you're not. Like Jesus said, those who aren't connected to the vine cannot produce good fruit. He's the vine. You're not connected to Jesus, you don't produce. You don't produce, there's a consequence that comes from that. And it's not good, all right, if you've read that in the Word of God. So, Acts chapter 2, where we're going to be at today, we're going to look at verse 42. And uh, the one question that I I want us thinking about as we go through this is, um, are we more, do we tend to be more focused on the church community on Sundays and our services, our prayer services, 
more than we are of what the community looks like outside of these four walls? It's a question I want us just thinking about and uh, thinking about within yourself. Like, how do I operate as a believer in Jesus? Am I more focused on, hey, we we got to have Sunday services. We've got to have Sunday night services. We've got to have prayer services. We've got to have this service and that service and all that. But I've got my time at home for Netflix, and i got my ball games, and I've got all these other things I have to do. That, that, that's separate. That's not my church time. I've got my church time, but I have my home time, too. I've got to work. i got to take care of the kids. i got to mow the grass or put off mowing the grass, right? i got things I have to do there. It's, it's separate. Is that how we're living our life? It's a question I want you answering. But let's look at Acts chapter 2. So uh, what's happened is we, we read a few weeks ago where the Holy Spirit came on uh, the, uh, the apostles. Jesus has ascended, um, and they're speaking in tongues. And these people are like, hey, these guys are drunk. It's early in the day. These guys are wasted. Look at them. And then Peter stood up and gave this powerful sermon, and 3,000 people were saved, were baptized, came to know Jesus. The church was birthed right there. 3,000 people. So then this is coming right after that. It says in verse 42 that all of the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Let's stop there. Four things were their focus. The apostles' teachings, the gospel message, what, what Jesus came and preached. Fellowship, that's hanging out with each other. It's a fancy word, churchy word to say, let's hang out. Let's fellowship, brother. No, let's just hang out. Let's go watch a movie. Let's go to the mall. Let's, I don't know what people do to hang out. Let's play games. I don't know. What, what, what do people do, Chris? I don't know. It doesn't matter. So we got the apostles' teachings. we got fellowship. Uh, eating. Lord knows that's the best part of any relationship is food, okay? If you can cook. If you can't, it makes it awkward, okay? But... You learn that, so you learn to eat before and after, you know, that time together with that person who really just can't cook. Uh, and that includes the Lord's Supper, taking of the communion emblems to remember Jesus' sacrifice. And then to prayer. Prayer is a very popular trend in the book of Acts. If there was a, uh, a need, guess what? They prayed. If somebody got in trouble, they prayed. If someone was scared, they prayed. Jesus left them with total dependence on God. Total dependence. What was your first response? Don't answer this. What was your first response when Laura was coming through and we knew for a fact that it was coming over orange? What was your first response? If we were in the early church, the response would have been this. Oh, my gosh. Something bad's about to happen, but you know what? We're going to pray. We just spent time with, with the Lord. We just spent time uh, receiving his spirit. So you know what? The only response that we can have is we got to pray. And we got to ask God for strength, for courage, for for a spirit of, of power, love, and a sound mind, not fear, right? That, was the, that would have been the response to the early church. What was your response? So they had all this stuff. This trend was happening with them. They were, they were going through. They were devoted. It says all, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, eating, and praying. Sold out. No selfishness. No petty arguments about you know, who's better, who's not, or, or I don't have this, or I don't have that, or I, don't, I didn't get asked to do this, or I didn't get asked to do that. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. None of that stuff even mattered. The stuff that we see arguments in the church all the time, people get mad about this and mad about that. It didn't matter back then. All they had was complete dependence on God. That's all they had. It's like, Lord, I've seen you move. Things are changing. Things are shifting. You're resetting what's been going on back to its original purpose, original intent. 
And all I know to do is to stay connected to my brother and sister in Christ and to keep my eyes on you. That's all they had. That's all they had. There was no selfish. They were fully devoted. They were unified. They were together. They were together. Let's keep reading Acts chapter 2, verse 43. It says, A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. It was a house of miracles. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. That's not socialism, by the way, as some people argue. That's just the love of Jesus, y'all. That's all it is. It's the love of Jesus. Verse 45, they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. That's incredible, y'all. Incredible. It didn't matter who they were or what they had. It's like, hey, look, you need help? I've got four guitars. Let me sell a couple of these things and give you some cash to help you out. I don't need four guitars. That was the attitude these people had. That was what they were, they were operating in, this, this spirit of unity and togetherness. Let's keep reading. It says they worshiped at the temple, worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. And they shared meals with great joy and generosity. Verse 47 closes out, All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Together is used over and over. If you come to church and you think you can operate in here in a healthy way and not be connected to people, you've missed the whole point of Jesus creating the church. This was a movement that was going to change the course of history. These people, these 3,000 people were saved. They began to form this countercultural community. Countercultural community is, is a group of people who aren't going to live life like everybody else does. They're not going to be satisfied with status quo and the same old thing, the predictable thing. They're coming with an expectation to experience the miraculous. Daniel said it great. Back there on the table is a miracle. People giving above and beyond to help. It doesn't always have to be somebody's you know, arm growing or a physical healing. It could be a physical need being met. When It doesn't have to be. Or when someone says, this is all I've got, but I'm going to give. It's a miracle. But it's, it's this idea of a community living with the constant expectation of miraculous happening. They were together. They were unified. Together, 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 together. They were loving, they were praying, they were serving, they were giving. Those are attributes of the church, y'all. It's not services. It's not great worship bands. And we got a great one, y'all. Word up. It's not about that. Those are good things. And we don't neglect those things. We come together, we worship together, we pray together, we study together, we learn together. But it's not just about that. It's when we leave here, is that same sense of expectation for God to move in our cars when we leave here. Or when we're in line ordering our chicken nuggets from Chick-fil-A. Are we listening for God to maybe prompt us to minister to the person at the window? I was at Starbucks. Um, don't judge me. <laughs> Not here, but in uh, Houston. And uh, I was with somebody else and we go to the front window to pay and there's one person her sole job that day must have been just to take the payment 
because she began to talk to us about her family. It was the craziest thing I've ever experienced in a drive through window. But she began to talk about how she felt different and uh, all these different things were, were happening in her family and, and that she was having to take on responsibility of, of helping out with her several siblings. I mean, it was all, we learned so much about this girl. I didn't even get, catch her name. I didn't know what her name was. But I learned all about her family and, and all the problems she has. But we had a chance to give her some encouragement right there in the window. Now, I could have easily, when she got my payment, rolled my window up and missed an opportunity to just love on somebody. That's a simple, simple illustration of, of how we're supposed to operate outside of these four walls. That we shouldn't have to be prompted to say, hey, if you need prayer, come to us. People should know by how we live our life that they can come to us for prayer, for encouragement, for love, for support. They shouldn't have to have a prompt for that, church. And if that hits you hard this morning, sorry about you. It's time for a reset. 2020 has not been a great year when you look at all the things that have happened. But 2020 has not damaged the throne of God. 2020 has not shaken his kingdom, and he's not scared. He's not depressed. He's not worried. He's still full of joy, hope, and expectation because he knows that he's already won. Church, we need to walk in victory. We need to walk with our heads high and say, you know what? Yeah, a lot of bad stuff has happened. And a lot of stuff, bad stuff may still happen, but it doesn't change our mission, it doesn't change our, should not change our attitudes, our hope, our expectation for God to keep moving. Great word from Daniel about, we can't sit still. I remember when I was a kid, we grew up on hymns. That's all we had. Um, and I, I love some of those old songs. And one of them was, it was funny because we would sit down and sing songs. We didn't stand. Except when we sang Standing on the Promises of God. Because it felt really ignorant to not stand while you're singing, standing on the promises of God. So our little conservative church would stand up on standing on the promises of God. And so I was like, well, okay. But we sing songs every week that talk about movement and action and doing something. But are we living that out? Or is it just happening in these walls? I'm pushing a lot on you this morning for a lot of, a lot of evaluation on yourself. Are, are we living the songs that we're singing to God? God, we believe you're a God of miracles. We believe this is a house of miracles. We praise you. We honor you. We give you glory. Does that happen just here in our services? Or are we actually the church living that out? When stuff hits the fan, it's, it's common to want to go to God and say, Lord, help me. I don't know what to do. Help me out here, Father. I was telling the worst thing this morning. Before we get to that intimate place of the Holy of Holies with God, you've got to walk through the courts of praise. Did you, did you thank God and praise God for who He is and what He's done in your life today? Before you go to God with all your problems, and He's big enough to handle all of them, thank God He is. But have you stopped to praise Him and thank Him just for what you have? Even when your home is destroyed, been there. When things are falling apart around you, are you still able to go to the Father and say, look, thank you for what I have? Because we can't bypass that, that entry of praise into his courts. The word says, come into his courts with thanksgiving and praise, right? Another old song we used to sing, but we'd stand down. Let's sit down on that one. We wouldn't stand up on that one. It says, all the while, 
they were praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I want to read, go to Ephesians real fast. We have it on the screen for you. Chapter 4, it says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, gifts from Jesus, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. We just read that while they were praising God, enjoying each other, the Lord was adding people to their number daily. Ephesians tells the church leadership that your job is to equip the saints, God's people, to do the work, his work, the work of the church, and to build up the church. This isn't a trick question, but you don't have to answer. But whose job is it to build the church up? It's the saints. It's, it's the church. It's, it's the people of the church. I know it's common to hire a pastor, to hire multiple pastors, and say, okay, now you do all the work of the ministry. What we paid you for. It's what we got you here for. Listen to all my problems. Give me all the direction. Hold my hand spiritually. Babysit me. Keep giving me milk because Lord knows it's hard to chew meat. And it's going to make me change some things. So let me just stay on milk. And you handle all the work. But God's word says differently. My job, the leadership's job here is to equip you guys to do God's work and to build up his church. So when we go back to Acts, they were devoting themselves to study of the word. They were fellowshipping together. They were sharing meals together. They were praying together. They were doing all this stuff, all the kingdom stuff together. And as they were doing that, people were being saved. Guess what? It wasn't in a church service. Where was all this stuff happening? In their homes. They were opening up their lives to people. They weren't waiting for another church service to start. They were doing this stuff in their homes. Peter preached and 3,000 came to be right there and birthed the church. But after that, it happened in people's homes. They opened up themselves and said, hey, let's do life together. We all got messed, but Jesus is cleaning us up. Let's hang out. Let's, let's do food. Let's, let's figure this thing out together. Let's get into the word together. Let's see what Jesus had to say about this or that. Let's pray for each other. And the church was growing astronomical numbers. No big campaign. No big outreach service. None of that stuff is bad. But guys, I think we've gotten so comfortable, at least in America, with church service. I got asked the other day, like uh, Brother Matt, uh, do you guys do Sunday night services and Wednesday night services? No. Why not? Why? What's going to change on Sunday night or Wednesday night that hadn't happened on a Sunday morning that can't, that can't happen in their homes? Why are we going to get people dependent on coming to a service to experience God's presence instead of teaching them how to have God's presence in their homes? Why are we going to teach people that discipleship happens in a Sunday school room and not in their living room? It doesn't make sense to me. And it's not in the Word of God either. This is the reset I'm talking about. Reset, equip is also a word that can be used to mend and heal. Like our bodies have this natural ability to regenerate and heal itself, except when you, you know, slice a bone and lose your arm, whatever. But the same word is used to say to mend nets or to mend broken bones, equip. So God has set the church up 
to be a place where healing happens, where restoration happens, as we're equipped to be who God's called us to be, to reset ourselves to be who God's called us to be. I'm going to be honest with you. If we could just get away from church service altogether, I wouldn't be mad about that. Don't throw stones at me. But we've gotten so comfortable, guys, being in chairs and doing the same thing every week, every week, every week, that we, we compartmentalize so many things in our life that, that this is church. I'm going to church instead of being the church. And that's a problem. It's not just a problem for you, a problem for me. It's a problem for America. It's a problem for the world. That the church now is just a service and not an actually a, a living, breathing thing. The early church became the hands and feet of Jesus. And if we're going to be like that, if we're going to see numbers added, you know, you're like, numbers don't matter, they say. Then you have another camp that says numbers do matter. How many did you have in service today, brother? Well, I don't know, but how many, how many disciple makers are changing their communities? Do you even know what a disciple is? Do you know how to make a disciple? Jesus said, go and make them. Do you know how to do that? If you don't, then you can't fulfill the Great Commission. heavy stuff this morning. I know. I know. Y'all breathe, okay? Breathe. It's going to be all right. That's a challenge for us because the world has changed. The world's continuing to change. And what they need right now is not more cancel culture this and cancel that. What they need is the church just standing up and being who we're designed to be. That we're not about services. We're about people. We're about people. And guess what? Don't be surprised when a leader comes to you from this church body anyway and says, hey, don't wait for another service. Don't wait for direction from someone. You've got the word of God telling you to go make disciples. Go and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Start there, and then we can figure the rest out. But if you're feeling disconnected, don't wait for the invitation. Go and find somebody to connect with. Go and find somebody to to pour your life out to and, and to do life with and to learn and grow together. Go cook a meal and invite somebody over. And if your house is dirty, clean your house and go to a restaurant. But do something. Do something. You can't just sit still and think it's all going to just magically fall together. It doesn't work that way. God created us to be people of action and movement. we got to move. We gotta, he said, go and make disciples. It's time for a reset. I want you to close your eyes for a moment. I want to speak these scriptures over you as we close out this morning. I want you to know what your identity is, what your purpose is. In 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Hebrews chapter 10 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some have, are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. 1 Corinthians 12 says, When we become Christians, we become part of the body of Christ. Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all as many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given one spirit to drink. 
Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And then Jesus said in John 13, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Father, I pray that we are a church of action and movement, that we understand who we are, that we are, we are saints, we're not sinners, God. We're a royal priesthood, God. We're your chosen people. And we're marked by our love for each other. God, I pray that every household represented in this room that's watching online is being saturated by your spirit. That when people come to these homes, if it's just to hang out and have fellowship, God, that they're going to walk away changed because your spirit is moving in these households. Lord, get us up off our feet, God. Give us opportunities. Open our eyes. Open our ears, our hearts. We are your kids, and you love us. You have good things for us, and we know we can always count on you being a good father. Even when everything is falling apart, we can run to you as our strong tower, as our, our place of safety and security. Thank you, Father God, for loving us so much, for being God with us, God for us. And I pray this today in Jesus' name, amen.